we want your questions. So get in touch with us on uh, Twitter at Miles Offside. Um, are we at Miles Offside Pod on Twitter? I don't know, fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> I just said I'm it. not cutting this, by the way. This so, is hilarious. No, you are cutting it. We've got to fucking find out what we are. Oh, God. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, we're not. We're Neither of us knows yeah, our podcast okay. Twitter handle. of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of Joe Biden. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy from Afar, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Ian Stimson. Our excellent friend Chuck Bailey could not be with us this week, so condolences, but we'll have to power on anyway. Ian, how are you feeling? I'm good. I'd, I'd like to take this opportunity to to concede that I am the lesser co-host, so sorry, you've got to put up with me. I concede that. I concede it. You know. Oh, I wouldn't say so. You're certainly nicer to me, at least. <laughs> you let me talk about Chelsea for 45 minutes. Mm. We'll, see. we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, how are you feeling this week? How's it going with the Peter Rowe? Let's check in on Posh. Yeah, it was only an FA Cup, uh, FA Cup first round game today, but you can only win who's put in front. Of, you can only beat, sorry, who's put in front of you. And uh, there's a first off. round to that thing. Yeah. Oh fucking hell! <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> yes, there's a first round. Well, there's qualifying rounds where all the little pub teams get involved as well sure 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 of course yeah <laughs> but um yeah we saw off oxford so yeah you know actually a real question because the below the league right the conference that's the conference is the next level down right yeah and then you get yeah are they playing down, in the conference with covid or like is it just league you know cup is the same as the fa cup this year that's a really good point i don't know because here they've said that basically elite level sport can carry on Right. Um, so just the top 10 teams in the Prem? <laughs> Sorry, Burnley, you're out. <laughs> no, I just think it means people who get paid to play football, basically. That oh, doesn't gotcha, necessarily gotcha, gotcha. Okay. mean elite level. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not sure, actually. It's a very, very good point. I don't know if any of non-league football's still still going on. I'll look it up. Because why do we need both then? Or is the League Cup off this year? I genuinely don't even know. I don't know what anything is anything <laughs> no, anymore. Everything's happening. Every, everything's know. happening. So it's just the League Cup twice. One's called the FA, one's called the League, but it's the exact same teams. Yeah. It's just Is it? Facsimile, yeah. Sorry. We could Google this, but it's more fun to just sit here and be like, I don't know. I trust you to know all these lower league things. Like, this is your okay. job. Yeah, but you've gone way below that. Well, the National League was still playing yesterday. Oldershot oh, Town okay. and Notts County and Wealdstone and Ultronham, all the big names. Notts so, County, I know them. I know that name. Yeah, yeah. They've, they're, Why they're do formal. I know that name? <laughs> I'm concerned. They used to be up as high as Peterborough, you know. So oh, there you go. Well, That's what it is. The mighty, mighty Peterborough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why wouldn't you know them? But uh, yeah, it looks like they're still playing. So I don't know. I don't know how far elite elite football stretches down. I'm not sure. I don't know. In England, it seems to go down about 45 levels. It's it's all yeah. considered, you know, part yeah. of the beautiful modern game. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh boy. All right. Well, that's our uh, introductory banter set out of the way. Chuck, we love you. We miss you. Uh, we can't wait to have you back. Um, I will say what I always say, which is that if you are joining us for the first time, thank you. We greatly appreciate it. We love you. Glad to have you on board. We, uh, you know, talk soccer sometimes, mostly. Sometimes. Um, and if you are coming back, thank you for being a glutton for punishment. We appreciate it. Go ahead and tell other friends. Bring them in on it. And uh, we'll kick things off as we always do with our... 
rapid, rapid, rapid fire news. Our top story this evening, Patrick Bamford does not know the offside rule. I don't understand the rule, he said. You can't score with your arm. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a shame, Chuck, isn't it? (laughs) This is Uh, obviously in reference to the ruled out goal in the Leeds game or whatever. I just, it's not even really a story. I just really thought it was funny (laughs) that he says, I do not understand the rule. (laughs) (laughs) That's the quote. Yeah, there's so much better ways you could articulate the, your problem with being uh, held offside for that, which is absolutely sort of fair. That I'm pretty that, sure that's your one fucking job is to like play soccer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just know know the basics. Although the referees don't know the rules half the time, yeah. and like that's literally their one job is to enforce them. <laughs> so. But they'd have all they'd have all gone through around the clubs and had their little meetings where they say, right, you know. The sleeve is now something that can play you offside. So it's it's not, you know, the, the top bit of the arm is no longer at handball. So that means that it can play you offside. Now, yeah. I'm playing devil's advocate. I don't really agree. Obviously, by the letter of the law, blah, 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 it is offside. But he's fucking pointing where he wants the ball. No one wants that goal to be yeah. offside, you know. Don't so point. It's... You shouldn't have pointed. <laughs> You know, learn your lesson next time. Just, just, just like, like a vague, vague nod and a sort of like, mm, 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 mm. yeah. Just Ugh. scream really loud. That's what I do when I'm at grocery stores and people get within my six feet radius. I'm just like, ah! <laughs> so, yeah. just do that, Bamford. People will look away and then be like, oh, that guy wants the ball. I guess. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> the players just ran around screaming. Defenders just <laughs> scared out of their skin because you're just screaming for no reason. Oh, good yeah, work. Good work. It could work. Absolutely. Poor Bamford. Um, yeah, I mean, the offside rule is just, like, no one really understands handball. No one really understands offside. Like, not just you, Patrick Bamford, but let's move on uh, to the, hmm, which one of these three tabs do I want to do next? Ian, do you want one, two, or three? <laughs> one. One. All right. Premier League clubs are likely to scrap pay-per-view model for the second lockdown period, which did commence a few days ago, right, for you guys? Yeah. This week at yeah. some point? So the Premier League is likely to scrap the controversial pay-per-view method for matches after November's international window. Clubs will instead look to devise a new solution that will cover them through the Christmas period. How's, how are charities going to make money now with fans not <laughs> making protests against the pay-per-view? That's a very good point, actually. They yeah. just hate charity that much. They're like, ah, no, we can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, everyone saw this coming, surely. No, no one thought it was a good idea. It wasn't. It wasn't profitable. It wasn't... A good idea for any any Premier League club fans really to want to pay fifteen quid because it was invariably it was the the clubs that weren't wouldn't have got picked up for those TV games anyway that were the yeah. fifteen quid ones that you no one wants to watch you know yeah was so there a single like good match on the pay per view of because it's done now right like tomorrow's the last day before the international break I don't even know yeah. which ones would be on for tomorrow but like but, can you think of a single good match that people paid fifteen bucks to watch. I can't. I can't. I don't, I don't remember any anyone saying, "Oh, this one was actually worth it." Yeah. Well, Chuck said it last week about the Palace one. But <laughs> yeah, pretty sure pa- he's the only person that thinks that. <laughs> and Palace, uh, Palace Leeds this week was on pay per view as well. So maybe, maybe that Oof. was worth it. I don't know. 
Yeah, at least in the U.S., you know, say what you will about NBC, but they're being smart about which matches they pick to put on Peacock to try to get us to subscribe. Like, for example, all but two or all but one Chelsea match so far have been on Peacock because, like, Christian Pulisic is American. Yeah. So they figure the American people want to watch him. Like, meanwhile, he's not even healthy. (laughs) And fucking Liverpool City today was on Peacock. Which we yeah. get on a fucking five minute delay. I don't know if uh, you're aware of this. I have to like not be on Twitter, not be on the Slack, not be on yeah. the Patriot, on the WhatsApp or any of it mm. when it's on Peacock. So I was watching Man City Liverpool being like, I'm all alone. I don't know how people are reacting to this. <laughs> watching in your own little bubble, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, NBC, man. I, I know you listen. I know you're a fan of the podcast. <laughs> if you're going to do this, just put it all in one place. I don't want to have to sometimes go to cable, sometimes go to the NBC Sports app, sometimes have to go to NBC, to the Peacock app. I'm like, I'll pay your money. I'll pay your 15 bucks a match or whatever you want to charge. Fine. But make it easy to find the things. Oh, yesterday I was trying to watch the halftime show and it like changed channels because of the election coverage and it changed like one was on streaming. One was, I was like, where the fuck do I just want to watch someone break down these highlights at halftime? How do I find this fucking thing? I was As- so mad. As a British football viewer uh, and subscriber to things here, the schadenfreude I'm feeling at having you say all this yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. absolutely lovely. It's just, yes, good. It's good. all NBC. That's the most frustrating part. <laughs> NBC owns everything. They're just putting it on different stuff. Oh, like, that is annoying. They have three uh, different apps. They have an NBC app, an NBC sports app, and a Peacock app, which I don't know how that's different from the NBC app. It's all just NBC shows. Like... Oh, that's awful. Yeah. So it's fu- it's fucking terrible. But so are you happy that the pay-per-view is scrapped? Do you not care? Is this just like... Yeah, I think uh, it, it had to be. No, no one was happy with it. Even the Premier League tried to distance themselves from it somehow, which was bizarre. But yeah, it just, it had to go. And um, hopefully it'll go back to uh, what it was more like uh, when it came back, Project Restart, you know, where it was... Uh, shared between all the broad, you know, any extra games might go on BBC or or um, be free. A lot of Sky did st- still do a lot of the games, but did them free, you know. So I mean, that yeah. was much better. So that'd be yeah, that'd be great. But we'll see. Speaking of things that were around during lockdown, um, and we hope that they potentially go back. Although we'll see where you're at on this. Is that enough caveats before I say the headline? Great. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know where we're at. <laughs> David Moyes says five substitutes are worth considering. After initial opposition, opposition, West Ham manager David Moyes says he could back, he would back a return to five substitutes in the Premier League after previously recommending his club vote against it. The Premier League is the only major competition to return to three substitutes this season rather than retaining a rule brought in to assist clubs trying to cope with the increased demands of the post-lockdown schedule. I recommended that we would vote for three substitutes, but I've looked at it again due to the player welfare issue. I really didn't expect so many injuries. No parties have been willing to give anything up in terms of competitions or matches. So while I still think it benefits bigger squads and clubs with bigger budgets, I would consider the change back. Who could have foreseen this, Ian? (laughs) Who could have guessed that players would be getting injured and or catching the coronavirus when the whole fucking world is sick and burning down? What a surprise. There was no way to see this coming. And uh, it's... Nice to hear from recent coronavirus survivor, David Moyes. I forgot about that, yeah. <laughs> he gets it and then suddenly goes, you know, I think maybe we should have more substitutes. I think <laughs> managers, perhaps. I mean, Where were you at on the five subs thing? 
I know Chuck was against it, but that's because he's a Palace fan, so like obviously that is to their disadvantage. Where are you at as not a Premier League supporter? I I I do get that, but it's so it feels like such a small advantage to to be able to do. Honestly, I think so many clubs, even at the top level, have squads that aren't as deep as you might think, and I just I yeah, don't I mean, just see- look at City. Like, well, yeah, I just don't see it as a massive advantage that's going to seriously derail some some club seasons. I mean, even even top level clubs seem to struggle to get three strikers together. So mm. I just I just don't I just don't see it as any big deal to be honest. I think it makes sense. I think it's we've obviously spoke very recently about how ridiculous it is that all these competitions are going ahead. But in light of that, then maybe we just yeah maybe we just do the five substitute thing again i don't think it affected anything massively during project restart i don't remember anyone you know thinking it changed a game or anything i just yeah right. i think yeah, it yeah. probably needs to happen look i'm sure timo werner would appreciate it because he's played about seventeen thousand minutes in the last three weeks like dude just cannot get <laughs> like any rest yeah, yeah um obviously as a fan of a bigger club like I am going to be in favor of the five substitutes. To me, it felt like, well, we're going to be hurt anyway, so we might as well let your players get hurt too. And I'm like, why are like, well, <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. fair. does seem a little churlish. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, why would you want that? Like, let less people get hurt, not more. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's almost like that's not the driving force between a lot of clubs' uh, voting methods, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, and like, it's not like it... Fucking Chelsea, right? We only just ran out. We have yet to play our actual best 11 because Pulisic is still out. Everyone was out for the first couple of weeks. Someone's in, someone's out. You look at Liverpool, they are decimated right now. City are decimated right now. And it like, would any of that have changed with five substitutes? Like, does them having a deeper squad affect them just if the five substitutes are in place? No, they have players to come into play for those injured players anyway. It's just a matter of like, the, the last like 20 minutes of matches when you would be using that fourth and fifth sub. Mm. Like, it's not like those rosters aren't still just as big, and it's not like a bunch of the smaller clubs are still getting injured and not having deep rosters. Like, I don't know. It always felt really petty to me. I, yeah, petty's the right word. Yeah. That they voted against it when we're, th- when like, we, I'm not English, but when we're the only fucking league in the world that isn't doing this, right? Like, yeah. everyone else kept the five, and it's not like Bayern Munich doesn't have an infinitely deeper squad than every other German team. It feel it feels like a very minor rule change to me that clubs would very quickly adapt to, even even yeah. lower ones. I mean, yeah. honestly, I would love five subs to just be a permanent thing. I think it's great, especially with how much, like, think about how many, it's not 1940 where they walk around and, like, no one <laughs> runs and they just let you have the ball for a half hour passing it around. It's like, the game is just different. The game yeah. is different and, like, more people get hurt because it's, like, much more specialized and much more athletic. Than ever. It only gets more and more and more. You see it in American sports too. And it's like, why are we still like fucking playing to the rules from the 1890s when they didn't eat, they fucking played out with coconuts barefoot probably. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck was going on in the 1890s. It was 130 years ago. Sorry, I'm all amped up this weekend. So it's gonna, it's going to be a lot of ranting while you're like, okay. Listen, that was, it, it was, it was rough on my feet. All right. Just let's leave it at that. So I don't know. I say I was mad when they didn't pass the five subs or when they took it away, I guess. So I'd love for it to come back, but it just seems really disingenuous for like all the, not all these David Moyes, but other lower money clubs, just smaller clubs, smaller clubs yeah, yeah, straight up yeah. to be like, oh no, look at how many injuries we have. 
This is so surprising. <laughs> yeah. Come on, dude. Come I'll, on. I'll we all knew what this was going to be like. So Yeah. All right. That's uh, that's it for rapid fire news. So ready to move on to the fixtures? Why not? All right. Well, we start off with Friday, November 6, 2020. The first match of the game week was Brighton Burnley. Oh, boy. 0 0 1.6 to 0.3 on XG because go ahead and cue the jingle. Oh, they're better than they ought to be. Burnley of the week. That's right. Burnley are the Burnley of the week. You fucking love to see it. Oh man, a 0-0 draw when they got outscored one out XG'd, I should say, 1.6 to 0.3 is pretty <laughs> fucking you get the Burnley on a 0-0? Zero, zero. Jesus Christ. Yeah, That's... I mean, it's that kind of weekend, but <laughs> did you watch this? I did not watch this, so I cannot comment on it other than I don't like these teams. <laughs> no, I wouldn't put myself through that. Any any stage, no matter how bad things got. No, I did yeah, not. Yeah, I was I was looking for distractions this week with all the craziness going on <laughs> over here, and I was like, uh, no, I'd rather sit here and be stressed out for the next two hours <laughs> than watch Brighton play Burnley. So I we have nothing intelligent to say. Literally nothing. I didn't watch it. I didn't even see the highlights because it was very it was very late on match of the day. So I was like, oh, so it was just as bad as it looked. Fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which means we can move on to the other boring bad match that I didn't watch on Friday, and that is Southampton <laughs> 2, Newcastle 0, Southampton 1.0 on XG to Newcastle's 0.2, so a pretty fair scoreline. Slight overperformance by Southampton here, but what are either of these teams? <laughs> Do you have a read on either of these teams? No, not at all. I mean, Southampton... Top of the league, Southampton, for about a five minutes for there. For a bit, yeah, for a bit. Yeah. Absolutely, give them their dues. I mean, yes, Southampton were getting roundly lambasted for their, including by me, for their uh, playing of a ridiculous high line against certain clubs. But then their front line have managed to keep things going, specifically Danny Ings. He gets injured. People sort of say, are Southampton going to be able to do it? Uh, even questioning whether they're going to be able to do it against Newcastle without Danny Ings. Um, you know, but it seems a bit Newcastle, dis disrespectful so. to the rest of the Southampton team because it's only Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it didn't seem like they had any problem at all. Theo Walcott seems like a new player. Um, like, I don't know, the, going, going home to Southampton has revitalised him in the way that it hasn't Gareth Bale. Um, so should we pick up Theo Walcott for our uh, fantasy teams? Is that what you're saying? You heard it here I, first, ladies I, I, and gentlemen. I'm not saying that yet, but you know that I'm just one like half decent game away from saying that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stay tuned to the Patreon FPL pod. That'll be uh, next week's episode is yeah, why exactly. we should all be buying Theo Walcott. <laughs> A couple more shots where he just pulls it wide and I'll be like, oh, he looks good. He's, he's due. <laughs> You know that's coming. All right. Well, I have a quote for you from the BBC match report of this one. Okay. Um, Southampton manager Ralph Hasenhutl told his side to believe that anything is possible after they went top of the Premier League for the first time ever. <laughs> Southampton for the title, baby. We're doing it. They're doing it. <laughs> oh, well, that sounds like an inspiring speech. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's lovely. I didn't know it was the first yeah. time ever, though. That like that seems yeah, that seems surprising actually. If I was a Southampton fan, even if it's for a couple of hours, like that's so cool that they were top of the league for the first time right like yeah of course it is yeah i must admit i didn't i would have assumed that they had topped it at some point in their extensive premier league history so yeah that, that is quite surprising actually yeah. fair play we'll give you that one raf there you go mate how long is things out for are they going to be able to handle this do they, like, who did they play uh, instead of being four, four to six weeks i reckon and i mean what shane shane long maybe um i mean shay adams has been playing well so 
I don't know. Maybe they'll maybe they'll be okay. Um, the narrative, as I say, was that they were going to struggle, but um, I'm not. I'm not sure. The, the while Danny Ings has been excellent, they they have got decent attacking players. Southampton. They've they've always had decent attacking players. So. I, uh, and they're very willing to push up and play a high line. So <laughs> who who knows? Yeah, maybe maybe they'll be okay. But what what a fantastic start for them uh, overall. I mean, it's been absolutely brilliant. So fair play to them. Yeah, absolutely. And they got, I believe they got a result against us, right? Or was that last year? I don't. We, the season season plus and the new season <laughs> all started so close to each other that it all blends together. But it I'm really pretty does. sure they played us this season so far and got a result. Yeah, three three. They were one of the three threes. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So good on them. Like they are, they are off to a good start. But I but like ultimately they're not going to do anything, right? They're going to come in like eighth, if that. Yeah, ultimately, yeah. <laughs> but you know, dare to dream. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> dare to dream. Anything is possible. Yeah. Top half. I would say top half would be a solid result for Southampton out of this season. Certainly, yeah. if they make the Europa League, that's an overperformance from what anyone would have expected. Yeah, I think uh, that. Yeah, they def- definitely would be an overperformance. They were very, very up and down last season, and they always, they always have been. But I mean, with with Harsen Hoodle um, managing them, I mean, I've, I've I've liked him since he's come to Southampton, and uh, yeah, I mean, maybe he can maybe he can do something with them. I mean. I think Europa might be pushing it, but hey, fuck it. Leicester won the league, maybe. Yeah, Southampton for the yeah, league. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Southampton <laughs> for the league. <laughs> Any thoughts on Newcastle here? Newcastle haven't been that bad, but in terms of uh, expected goals conceded, they are below Palace, United, and Wan- and Wanderers, and Wolves uh, for 16th place on the expected goals conceded list. Any uh, any like kind of takes on that, or it's just a weird result for them? Are they in trouble? Are we worried about Newcastle? They've been decent, I think. I haven't noticed them being particularly bad, but I don't watch their games particularly closely either, so like... No. I... I... <laughs> Steve Bruce is just sort of so uninspiring as a manager, and I just I I, I don't ever see Newcastle sort of seriously troubling anything above like fourteenth place, just ever. You know, it just yeah. They they were once the mighty mighty Newcastle though, right? Like they have titles and stuff. Oh, I mean, this is I I have a little problem with Newcastle anyway because I feel like their fans see them as such a huge club Mm -hmm. and they haven't won anything in such a long time. Now I get why it is seen as such a big club to them because they're up in the Northeast. There aren't many other football clubs around other than Sunderland who have obviously dropped down to league one. Um, You know that they are in fans who come to the game week in, week out. If it wasn't COVID times, they are huge. So and they have one of the bigger stadiums too, right? Like one, of, it's like the is it yeah, the yeah. biggest? Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely I don't know. It must must be like sixty thousand or something. Yeah, it's of a very decent size. Yeah. So um, I get why they they feel like that, and with <laughs> you know with an owner who hadn't run it like like he has, you might you might be able to do something. But it's just been so long that they've been trudging around where they are that I just cannot see them as a big club anymore. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been a Premier League fan for 16 years now, like half yeah. my life, and I've never known them as anything but a small club. Yeah. I don't remember them, like maybe they were top half when I first started watching, but I don't remember them ever being good. Yeah. I feel like uh, that way about West Ham too. Like I know West Ham fans who are like, we're too big to go down. I'm like, are you though? E- no, they're not. <laughs> that's, that's even, <laughs> I think that's, Going further back than even Newcastle, you know. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't particularly understand that one either. I mean, what maybe I'm not attributing 
as much um, as I should to history because, you know, both those clubs have, have been around an incredibly long time and have got illustrious history. So maybe I'm not attributing enough to that. But it, how long can the tail of a big club tag last? Like, I don't, even though I've sort of said before about how things are set in your head from when you first watch football, it does eventually get adjusted. I am not... I'm no longer seeing Sunderland as a big club because Peterborough have played them 10, 12 times in the last few years. So yeah, of course. they are adjusted in my head now because I've been to see them and I know they play just as bad as Peterborough. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it gets adjusted. And, and for me, there, there is a sort of a big club mentality in Newcastle, which is not deserved Possibly mostly because of the stewardship of Mike Ashley. If he knew oh, how to run a big club, things would be different. But I think the big club thing is waning and they're all, they're, they are nowhere near troubling the European places or anything. So how can you be considered a, a properly big club, you know? And I might get pelters for that. I don't know. But anyway. Um, no, I, I very much feel like a kindred spirit to Newcastle fans in my Knicks fandom right, as a basketball okay. fan. Uh, because they were a team that had some glory a long time ago, like a, a couple of titles and whatnot. But the ownership has just like genuinely it's the worst owners in sports are like Newcastle and the Knicks, like fucking yeah. terrible. And so like I avoid thinking about or watching Newcastle because they make me think about the Knicks too much. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I don't watch other small club. They're not a small club. They're a huge club, like in terms of money and stuff. But like, yeah, yeah. I don't watch Brighton Burnley because I don't have time for that shit in my life. I don't watch <laughs> Newcastle because it hurts. It makes me think about the Knicks and how much it sucks. So oh, like, wow. I totally relate to that. But yeah, they won't be troubling. They won't be troubling the top half, I wouldn't have thought. So they're not going to be first in on the European Super League, Premier League, Super Premier League? <laughs> no, they'd bloody love to be, but they're not, they're not going to be there. No. If they got a real owner, if they got like an oil baron owner, they have the... Oh, 100%. They'd be huge. It's not yeah. like... I'm trying to think of a club that would be less offensive to say this about Swansea Swansea are a small club in a small town with a small stadium and if they got a you know oil tycoon as an owner it would still be a hard sell to get people to go play for Swansea I think yeah definitely Newcastle not so much like Santi from the goal movies played at Newcastle (laughs) (laughs) and he went to Real Madrid from there like it's you know yeah, yeah, and that's a real thing that definitely happened. That is a real thing that definitely happened. All right, let's move on then to Saturday, November 7, 2020. Everton 1, Manchester United 3. Everton 0.4 to Man United's 1.6 on XG. So the three goals definitely flatters United, but this is also a pretty comprehensive victory. They out they out XG'd them by 1.2. So it's not I wouldn't say that anything but a win is particularly fair. Um and also United didn't look terrible. Question mark, right? They didn't, but this goes along with the bizarre up and down season that they're having. And I think the up and down situation they've had since Solskjaer's got, got in charge, you know, I they're so inconsistent. And I mean, Bruno Fernandes in his post-match um, said said the similar, that like, you know, one, one minute we're the worst team in the world, the next minute we're world, world beating Man United, you know. And yeah. it's it's... And unless it settles down, then they're going to be in for another sort of relatively for Man United's history, another relatively low low place season. You know, because we we all had them down as a, a definite fourth place, but they've got to get yeah. this. They've got to perform more like they did in this match, 
way more often and it shouldn't be a problem for a team with the players that Man United have got, but it, the consistency does seem to be an issue. Definitely, and I think that's... It's hard to consistently beat teams that are quote-unquote worse than you. And actually, Everton isn't necessarily even in that category, but like no. playing to your level consistently is the difference between great teams and teams like Chelsea in the last few years, Man United last year or somewhat recently. Like Getting those results that you're supposed to get is is hard to do. And so it makes sense that United would be up and down. They've been better in the Champions League, which is kind of confusing. Like, they're having a good run in the Champions League, which, like, those teams are supposed to be better than your Brightons and Burnleys of the world, (laughs) right? Um, But this was, like, this was really solid from them. They had 72% of the chances created, um, 13 shots, 5 on target. Expected points, quote-unquote, out of this match was 2.4 to 0.4. So, like, good for the three points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, halfway through my little rant there, I realised that, you know, this was off the back of a Manchester United victory, so I should be maybe a touch more positive. But it, it's just, I think, indicative of the sort of up and down nature, as you say, with them performing in the Champions League, but being able to lose heavily to Tottenham and then beat Everton fairly convincingly. You know, it's just, it's it's so inconsistent. Bruno Fernandes himself seems, in, seems very inconsistent in that some matches he looks absolutely dead on his feet. And then other matches, he looks like he's running the show. Well, he's a high-risk, high-reward kind of player, so, like, that makes sense. Yeah. He only plays Hollywood passes. Yeah. And so when they come off, he has an amazing day. He passes 50-yard passes, and he shoots 30-yard shots. Yeah. And, like, that's all he does. He's good. (laughs) He's well above average, certainly at the passing. Yeah. The shooting, you know, maybe not so much, but, like, he doesn't do boring things. And so that lends itself to being a guy who, like... For example, if this was on Fantrax, and I don't think these are his scores on Fantrax necessarily, but like the types of players that I like to avoid personally are the ones that like score a five one week and then a 40 the next week. Like I just want to get a solid 25 every week out of all of my players, right? And he is very much like a feast or famine kind of situation. But, you know, I I do want to... As Red Devil's advocate, apparently, of the fucking podcast, <laughs> give credit where it's due because this was a good performance against Everton. And to switch sides here, Everton, who looked so good and everyone was talking about, oh, maybe a title run, maybe they're a Leicester, maybe blah, 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 blah. And then Hamas got hurt. But Hamas played in this one. Yeah. Hamas played 84 minutes in this one. And they still looked decidedly pedestrian. Yeah, I don't know how to explain that really. When previously, when they've had all their major players, they've looked they've looked very good. I mean, maybe this was just a case of, of Man United being better. Um, I mean, well, Pickford seems absolutely desperate to continue his uh, campaign of fear against the centre-backs of this country. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, smashing smashing into uh, Harry Maguire after after he fluffed his lines a little bit with the uh, catch. I mean, Jesus Christ, he just, he, he proper gets red missed, doesn't he? I mean, he was pushed. A touch by um, mm. Maguire before. Well, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I think the red because, mist is pretty accurate because he gets very angry very quickly, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just like, "Oh, I've lost it. I've just got to do." And it, it's it was like watching a kid play football. They just go in windmilling because they've got to get the ball back. And uh, I mean, it didn't cause any serious damage, but it just is another. I mean, I listened to uh, one of our World Cup podcasts the other day and like me and Chuck are so high on Pickford just (laughs) I didn't want to say anything I was trying to be nice everybody gives me shit for being such an asshole but like (laughs) 
I don't throw numbers around when they're not nice to the people that you two care about, for the most part. I do a little bit with Palace because, like, the Palace numbers are unignorable in some situations. But, uh... For the most part, I try to be nice about your teams and your players and stuff, but fucking Pickford is not good, man. No, I I, I think I'm coming to accept that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just funny how, how massively high we were on him, and now I, I'm really getting into the camp of thinking that he's a total liability, and I would really much prefer either Henderson or Pope to be England's number one, but... I, yeah. don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Southgate loves him. So uh, I hope he does well for England again. Please, please. Gareth Southgate. That's a name. Oh, man. <sighs> uh, I can't wait to do the Euros. Like, yeah, I, I thought we shined really well during the World Cup. And I'm excited to get into like fucking matches all the time and just putting out podcasts like crazy during the World Cup during the Euros. I think it's going to be fun. But Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of Palace and their numbers and not get, not being nice or being nice or one of the two, whichever <laughs> one it is, let's move on to Crystal Palace 4. Leeds won. I won't say the XG because we're just here for a good time, not a long time. Good vibes, <laughs> positive vibes. Palace did win on the XG, I should say. It was 1.3 to 1.9, so I'm just kind of joking. But obviously the 4-1 is not at all reflective as a scoreline necessarily. But this was Palace's best attacking performance all season, right? Like insofar as they actually tried to attack and <laughs> yeah. scored goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All of those things happened. All yeah. of the things. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you... When you look at the goals in isolation, they're, they're not sort of high XG opportunities, but um, Crystal Palace were there to score them, and so you've got you've got to give them credit. Um, his, his free kick was lovely, uh, just absolutely beautiful. And I mean, if he can become a bit of a set piece specialist for him, that'd be lovely. Um, and or it was just play cor- more regularly, man, because he is like. Yeah. I don't, you know, Chuck complains about Hudson. So, like, we've heard all this a million times, but why do they have talented attackers? Yeah. Fucking play them. Yeah. I mean, it, I think Eze should be in that team all the time. And it was his corner as well, wasn't it, for Dan uh, to head her in? Um, I, so, I mean, think so. Yeah, I think it was. I think I, I noticed his uh, lovely locks uh, just before he put the corner in. So, um yeah, I think uh, if they can if they can get some sort of, I mean, ultimately it's this sort of game that Palace have got to win. And XG aside, when I um, and I didn't see all of the game because it was a dodgy stream because I'm not paying fifteen quid. But like it, I thought Palace looked good for it to be honest. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's what I'm trying to get at. Also, Leeds Leeds put them under pressure, but like pa- Palace generally dealt with it very well and and got got the ball positively into attacking positions better way better than they usually do so i thought this was a i thought this was a really good win for palace and, and the scoreline obviously shows that but um a lead to a sort of like absolute media darlings at the minute mm. I, th- I think you know it was it was a game that you could have uh excused palace for playing very defensively or or even at home and no fans and that so maybe that doesn't matter anymore but you could have excused them for being a bit standoffish and uh, I think they I think they played really well and did exactly what you have to do against Leeds yeah I mean this brings Leeds down to 15th in the table and 13th or 12th on expected points Below Palace, unexpected points. So, like, media darling leads are like maybe a bit overhyped. Maybe it's still very it's still very hard to tell. I think they've they've come into the Premier League and and took it on properly. But then we were all saying that about Norwich, uh, probably at this stage last season. So you you got to be very careful about 
teams that have been out of the Premier League for a long time and sort of hailing them. Ultimately, probably just bringing their championship form, especially because there was so short a break between seasons. Yeah, bringing their championship form into into the Premier League. You know, Leeds have done very well, but I think we've. I think it would be nice if the media just pumped the brakes a little bit on sort of saying that they're going to be amazing. You know, I think they will survive and probably comfortably. Yeah, but, I think they'll be mid-table. Yeah, yeah, I think they'll. I think they'll comfortably survive, but I don't think they're going to be absolute world beaters and I think Palace did did very well to um to kill them off 4-1 I mean it's a good good scoreline yeah and and uh like you said it, it passed the eye test as well I thought it did yeah. even if the scoreline's a bit flattering on next year or whatever like they looked comfortable yeah and certainly the most like awake <laughs> I've, I've seen Palace yeah. this year do you know what I mean yeah. by that like yeah Definitely. It's, it comes to something when that's what you're saying. But I, yeah, absolutely. They look more awake than they have done. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Eze's good, man. I like him. Yeah. I want to see what he can do. I really want, like, him and Zaha hitting a stride and, like, really doing some stuff could be interesting. Yeah. So that certainly one to watch. Definitely. Um, moving on then, we have Chelsea 4, Sheffield United 1, Chelsea 2.9 to Sheffield's 0.7. Uh, I believe that is what is referred to as a dicking. Did I get that right? Is that the <laughs> right could, word? You could have the dicking, yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, that's a dicking. That's a dicking, baby. We <laughs> we fucking played him off the pitch. Like, um, I'll I'll uh, as we usually do during Chelsea, I'll kind of step back, let you guys <laughs> say some things before I go on my rant. So, what do you got here? What do you got on the four one? I thought Chelsea were very impressive. I think, um, obviously. F- First 10 minutes aside, when I think uh, you must have been a little worried um, because Sheffield uh, United did very well in that first 10 minutes, I thought, but it was only 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it was a good goal. It wasn't a fluke. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a good goal. Um, but having said that, then I think Chelsea managed to really sort of speed the game up so as it, was, it seemed beyond Sheffield United to keep up with them. It was... Chelsea seemed very compact in that um, whenever they had the ball, they had the sort of classic two passing opportunities and they were moving the ball very quickly. I thought they did... It was really positive from Chelsea in that no one was looking to play sideways balls and every, mm. everyone was looking to get get towards the goal all the time, playing attacking positive football all the time. And to the point of... If it was going sideways, it was only because Chelsea were switching it to the other flank within two passes really quickly. And it really stretched, I mean, uh, width-wise across the pitch, it really stretched uh, Sheffield United out. And so when it did come inside, it seemed like you had a lot of room. Yeah, I mean, we took 20 shots here. Like, yeah, fucking destroyed. They they got six shots. Like, that's... Yeah. When you outshoot your opponent by 14, like, that's really comprehensive. Yeah. You had a lot of uh, time, time and space in the in in the front of the goal. I thought um, because because you managed to switch oh, switch flanks and sort of uh, pass positively very quickly. I think um, Ziyech was obviously very oh. good, very. Oh good. my god, he's so good. <laughs> yeah, um, he was one of those who was just constantly looking to make positive uh, contributions, and yeah, I mean. It was, uh, yeah, it was quite something. I, I was genuinely very happy for you, Oscar, to see a, a performance like that because as I, I was watching this, I think a couple of hours later than you were, a couple of hours after it happened. And um, so I already knew the scoreline, but I was like, 
I did. I hadn't seen like the XG or anything like that. And then when I was watching it, I was like, oh yeah, they, they properly deserve that four-one. That was that was. There was no Burnley in happening here. No, none whatsoever. And I think that's the more general thread with Chelsea lately. And that's kind of where I'm reacting to this match. Like, I went on our our Twitter account and on my own Twitter account as well and was like, Chelsea going to win the title. I've been saying <laughs> it. No one wanted to hear it. Blah, 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 blah. And then obviously people were coming back with like, yo. It's a, it's a, you beat Sheffield, like settle down, right? And I'm like, no, no, no. I, I know that this is just against Sheffield, but it, it was also just against Sevilla, just against Man United, just against Krasnodar, just against Ren, just against whoever we beat last week in the Premier League. I don't even remember anymore. I'm looking it up. Burnley. There you go. 3 0 on Burnley. Like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. The ability to get the results that you quote unquote are supposed to is, how titles get made we because of confirmation bias because like human beings and their brains are terrible at like remembering things and like noticing actual patterns and whatnot which is why i i cling so desperately to my numbers because the numbers (laughs) don't have a bias well sort of maybe i don't know anyway (laughs) we remember the dramatic liverpool victory at city two seasons ago right because it stands out. Because it's a title six-pointer. <laughs> yeah. But titles are won against the Burnleys and the Sheffields. It's doing your fucking job every weekend against the teams that you are supposed to. Yeah. And that is not something that Chelsea were doing until the last, like, six matches. When, specifically, Mendy and Thiago Silva started playing together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chilwell started playing left back. Like, this is not something that I think should be dismissed. Yes, it's just a win against Sheffield. And so, like, that is a strong reaction to that. But if you're looking at the bigger picture, in their last six matches, Chelsea have scored 14 goals. That's more than two a game, in case you're counting. (laughs) Stop the count, Oscar. Conceded one. In six matches, Chelsea have conceded one goal. And the XG is, like, 11. They haven't conceded more than 0.7 XG in any match in the last six. And that includes three Champions League matches, including... Sevilla, who had just beaten Barcelona the time the day before we played them or whatever, mm. or drew with Barcelona, whatever. They got a result against a against a bigger team than us, admittedly. Like yeah. against Man United, who are, you know, a big team, quote unquote. It's not like they were just against lower teams, and we're not conceding more than 0.7 or 0.8 in a match for six matches in a row. Yeah. That's a huge deal. Compare that to like Chelsea have hold on, I wrote this down so I would have it correct. In 2020 alone, because the first match of these is January 1st. We drew with Brighton, we lost to Newcastle, we drew with Bournemouth, we lost to West Ham, we lost to Sheffield, we drew with Brighton again, (laughs) we drew with West Brom, and we drew with Southampton. That's eight matches against teams that we quote-unquote should beat that we didn't get results against. Yeah. Right? Like, And that's not to say that Chelsea have been bad, because they were still probably, I think, the the third best team in England last year, maybe tied with United for third or fourth best. Yeah, but that doesn't win you titles. That doesn't win you titles. That's enough to be the third best team in England. Yeah. The way you win titles is getting these results. And Chelsea are... I said two or three weeks ago, whenever, a while ago, Chuck asked me, like, what do you need to see from Chelsea to be happy? And I said, I need to see at least one comprehensive result against a quote-unquote scrub team. And they have now done that against every team that we have played, including in this match, after conceding their first goal in forever... 
Yeah. The Mendy conceding his first goal early, and my gut feeling was like, oh, fuck. This was coming. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were due for like a, you know, an embarrassing result or whatever. We're down 1-0 to Sheffield in the first 10 minutes when they've been terrible. And they, and Chelsea just calm, cool, collected, went about their business and got the fucking result. And like yeah. that, that is how Liverpool won the title last year. Yeah. It's just being better than the teams that they're supposed to be better than. And so for Chelsea to be doing this now is like really exciting. I genuinely have title vibes. I was like playing it up in the summer. Look how much money we spent, like (laughs) amping myself up, but like only kind of jokingly being like, we're going to be in the third, the third best team, but in the title race, if we're lucky now, I'm like, we might have a fucking shot at this guys. Like we might like (laughs) genuinely, I'm like, this feels like a team that you look back on at the end of the season and be like, look, you saw it. It was there. That's when it started. That's like, we look comfortable. I think of the Conte season. Antonio Conte, not N'Golo Conte. Yeah. Um, where we won 13 games in a row. We fucking destroyed the league that yeah. year. Just like ran riot on the league. They weren't that exciting of a team, so people don't remember it that fondly. But like they they, they never, ever looked in doubt that entire season. I think we lost like one or two matches. It was like, mm. it was like very comprehensive, if unspectacular. And that is... How I feel so far. Like, despite the 14 goals we've scored in the last six matches, including the four today, I don't feel like Chelsea's attack is firing on all cylinders yet. Do you? No, 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 not yet. No. Not at all. And like, how dangerous is that for everyone? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's fucking terrifying. If I was a, if I was a different team, another team, I'd be fucking terrified that Chelsea are doing this and not yet firing on all cylinders yet. And like, we're not a defensive team. Us getting five clean sheets in a row is not the way for us to succeed. Like, that's. That's not who we are, right? Like, this is a good run, but that's still not who we are. But do you think with your influx of of new players, when you you have... Because you've had um, new players in every sort of position as in striker, midfielder, defender, goalie. You've... you've, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every position. You've probably had new players everywhere. They... They might not know this about Chelsea, that this is not how you do things. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they don't necessarily have that in their head, if it ever was in Chelsea's head. I don't know that you concede a lot and you score a lot. You know, it might be that they they don't have these uh, unconscious things in their head that Chelsea players who've been there a while might have. You know, this is a yeah. new dawn, perhaps. So. I think that's definitely true of soon-to-be player of the month, Thiago Silva. Shout out. (laughs) Nominated, baby. Did we think a Chelsea defender was going to be nominated for Premier League player of the month at any point this year? (laughs) I didn't. I would have thought so. He has been so, so calm and collected and imperious. Like, he's old. He's old and slow. But JT was old and slow, and he still was one of the best defenders in the history of the game. Like, he was always slow, even in his prime. And so for Silva to come in... He made a he made one really hilarious sprint against a striker where it was like one on one and there was a loose ball and Mendy wasn't particularly coming out for it. And so Silva was like, oh, fuck. All right, I guess I'm running. And he turned on the Jets and the commentators were laughing and being like, well, I guess he that's his one sprint for today. Except for his goal. But he, yeah, but he did it. But he I haven't felt like we have an organizer at the back. Yeah. Either in as the goalie or in the defense, you know, since John Terry left. Honestly, like this is no disrespect to Azpilicueta, who is probably a better pure defender than JT mm. was, but he doesn't have that like imposing presence. Yeah, yeah. And Silva does. That header 
felt like a John Terry header. <laughs> Silva directing the entire back feels like John Terry used to direct the entire back. Like, yeah. he sees the game and he reads the game so well that he doesn't need to be that fast. And we haven't had that caliber of a defender since JT. Aspie's like a weird sort of like separate thing almost. I don't know. But so, yeah, I don't know. I genuinely like jokes aside, I'm fucking in on this Chelsea title run. Like we are there or thereabouts and we're getting better and we are like doing our fucking job like we're supposed to. So that's pretty nice. Um, thank you for indulging me for the, for a solid 20 minute Chelsea rant. No, it's too. Cause if Chuck was here, he would have cut me off a long time ago. <laughs> um, which means that we're ready to move on to the final match of the Saturday schedule. We have West Ham one, Fulham zero, Westham 1.4 to Fulham's 1.9 on XG. So this was almost the Burnley of the week. Fulham out XG'd West Ham here. Um, but West Ham getting the result. West Ham are now in 12th. Fulham in 17th, so neither of them particularly exciting. Did you happen to watch this match? Well, the only thing that matters about this match is that Lookman must never be allowed to take a penalty ever again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> have you seen a worse Panenka attempt? I don't think I have. It, it was so slow. Even if uh, Fabianski had have gone the wrong way, he'd have had time <laughs> to have gone back and got it anyway. He had um, time to make a cup of tea in there. <laughs> yeah, it really did. It was... It was so bad and literally the last kick of the game. Uh, so West Ham score, what was it, the 92nd minute to steal the game from Fulham or certainly steal a win when it maybe should have been a draw or whatever. Yeah, and, I think a 2-2 two, two draw would have been about fair. Yeah, okay, so fair enough. And then you have a chance to level that up, make things right to, you know, make, make, it, make it fit with the XG a bit more and f- you do that. I mean... Remember I had a go at Roy Keane about saying that you'd have someone up against a wall in the changing rooms and be throwing punches. <laughs> but you you'd have f- him up against a wall? <laughs> you would be fucking furious with him. Yeah. I mean, Oh, like, my God. It's He's just... never taking a pen again for them, right? Like, never again. Not a chance. He possi- I, I really like him as a player, to be honest, but that just... What was he thinking? Just horrendous. I just... I, I can't get on board with that on any level. Uh, anyway... Lee Dixon does some of the commentary over here for NBC. Oh, does he? <laughs> yeah. Um, and he loves, he never fucking shuts up about like, oh, I would find, if I was the manager, I'd find him a week's wages for that. <laughs> I'd nice find thing. him a week's wages for that. <laughs> and it's like things like uh, botched throw-in. He's like, how do you be a professional player and you botch a throw-in? I'd find him a week's wages for that. <laughs> Love it. Or like losing your man at the near post or like, you know, whatever, like totally Stupid but normal things. I would have fined him a week's wages for that penalty. Like, straight up, like, you're not getting paid this week. Sorry, bro. That sounds like a man who's run, like, a Sunday league team and has needed to get as many fucking subs and fines as possible just to keep the team going. (laughs) When anyone's 20 seconds late, just fine him. Yeah, Yeah, I just... Yeah, it would, I'm not surprised that Lee Dixon would have fired him a week's wages. Yeah, I would have as well. Oh, man. All right, well, let's move on to Sunday, November 8th. Let's get through the actual games. We had West Brom, which Albion 0.8 to scoring 0 to Tottenham's 1.9 scoring 1. So a 1-0 win for Tottenham. Gareth Bale making his first Premier League start for the Spurs here. Um, and they got a 1-0 victory. Tottenham, who continue to frighten me as a team that they've moved up to where I was preseason on Chelsea, which is like a cheeky title bid. <laughs> right? So like they shifted up to the Chelsea spot. Chelsea shifted up to the... 
Liverpool City spot and City shifted down to wherever the fuck City are not. I don't even know where anyone is anymore. And this but... is why we shouldn't fix the top six. <laughs> yeah, you never know. exactly. Um, but Spurs, solid win, 19 shots, five on target, 1.9 XG. Like this is a, this is just a comfortable, comfortable performance for them. If a bit late on the goal, how am I crazy for thinking that Spurs might do a cheeky title run? No, I, I don't think you are. I'm no particular fan of Tottenham, but when they're doing what they need to do, sometimes I watch them and go, "Not." Oh, I mean, you've just quoted the XG against West Brom, fair enough, but certainly in recent games, I've sort of watched them and gone, oh, I'm not sure they deserved anything from that match, but they managed to nick it, fair enough. But that is what teams that often have a run at the title do. And that if they kick on, if if... Bale finds his feet because I still don't think he's fully there yet um, just from a fitness point of view. I hope he doesn't because if he does, they're like really a threat now. Yeah, can you imagine Sun, Bale and Kane firing on all cylinders? That's yeah. genuinely terrifying. So I know, and Mourinho season two, like don't, please, for all of you out there in the world, do not underestimate the Mourinho season two effect. Like that is a real thing. Yeah. And so don't yeah. discount Spurs just for being Spurs. They're one point ahead of Chelsea on expected points. They are two points ahead of Chelsea on the actual points. Mm. They're a real team. They're like a real team. They're actually yeah. ahead of Liverpool in the table. What the fuck? How did that happen? <laughs> I'm guessing it's goal difference. Yeah, they've conceded seven less goals than Liverpool and scored one more. This is Spurs we're talking about. Well, they've scored yeah. more than Liverpool and conceded. Like, Spurs are legit. Well, Spurs, Spurs have also had, um, you know, big score lines in their favour and Liverpool have had big score lines not in their favour. Sure, but so, like... But, but yeah, but I do agree. I think what's been really interesting is we've been, we've ragged on Kane quite a lot. You know, that's that's on record. But him very deliberately being put in this in this role that he seems to be in at the minute um, and not just because before it always felt like well Kane's the striker but he is playing in a defensive midfield role because that's where he feels like he needs to get the ball or that's where he feels comfortable because he can't you know run at the sort of pace he used to be able to right yeah but this feels like where he's playing at the minute feels like a very deliberate thing um like managerially, tactically. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it seems to, it's, it really seems to be working for him. Um, and I think if, you know, given a bit more time where Bale properly clicks and, and um, you know, Kane gets used to this new role, then, yeah, I think, uh, to- I think Tottenham definitely could uh, worry the title contenders this year, definitely. And the, the difference between, like, how Kane has dropped deeper before and how Kane is dropping deeper in this Mourinho system is that when he dropped deep before, there was no one in front of him. And so it was a fucking problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was mostly getting in the way of other people's things that they were supposed to be doing within a functional tactical system. Yeah. And no one was up there getting the shots that they need to get to win games. Like, X, you know, XG is just like, did you get good shots and did you get a lot of them? That's the, like, if you don't want to get into stats and don't want to like actually care about it see everyone has a sense of like oh shit they outscored them 20 to 5 and all of those shots were in the box whereas those five shots were from 40 yards deep like that's a better performance normally you would expect them to win that's all xg is yeah but him dropping deeper now they've tweaked it so that sun and either lucas or bale depending on who's in 
is still playing in the empty space where he would have been. And so he's it's much closer to a false nine, although I would I've been describing it as a false ten. Yeah. Because of the way that he's playing, but like he's dropping back, but those guys are still there in front of him. And so now not only are the shots still happening up ahead of him, but he's getting more shots because those guys are drawing the defenders away. Whereas before, when he wasn't there, those defenders didn't have anyone to defend. These defenders are occupied. They're distracted. Yeah. And so he has that extra half second, which is all that someone that talented needs, even though he lost a bit of his speed. He hasn't gained his speed back, but he did find his shots again. And that's the difference. Harry Kane taking shots, he's so fucking good at taking shots. Like, when he shoots, he scores because he's so fucking good. Yeah. The problem for a couple of years there was that he just wasn't finding those shots. There was just no, like, his shots per 90 went from five to one yeah. over the course of a couple of seasons. And now they're back up to, like, my dude is just getting – I don't have the exact number of me, but it's in, like, the five to six range on shots per match. Yeah. Like, and so him almost in the in a messy ish role – not to equate the two of them on any level whatsoever, just tactically, kind of hanging back at the edge of the box, right on the D, and like having time and space there is so fucking dangerous. And I, I fear Spurs. I genuinely fear Spurs. Jeff, enjoy that sentence, bud, because <laughs> I'm sure you have been waiting to hear it for a long time. I, I, Kane is like, I don't think that I want to say Kane is back. Because he's not what he used to be. No. But Kane is different and probably just as good yeah. and effective if he can <laughs> keep doing this as he used to be. Yeah. And so that's the terrifying thing. Like, yeah, fine. He's not back to his old, like, physical self. He used to be really fast. But, like, yeah, does it matter? Fabregas is slow, but he does Fabregas things. If Kane can change the Kane things to be different things... Then he's fucking terrifying. I don't want this. I don't want this. Let's move on. Uh, Leicester 1, Wolverhampton Wanderers 0. This just happened like a couple hours ago. We are recording on Sunday today, uh, this week. So it is Leicester 1 scoring 2.1 on XG. To Wolves is 0.6. Wolves continue to not look great. Um, they are in 8th place, which is frankly a little bit generous, considering that on X points or XG, they would be 17th. And like similarly, Leicester, Leicester top of the league now. Leicester on 18 points. Yeah. Levarster. <laughs> it's not Liverpool, it's Levar Levarster. Mm. <laughs> not as catchy. No, it doesn't really work. No. It doesn't really work. Uh. Um hand, so okay, we should talk about the handball, right? Like that's clearly the the story both here and in the City Liverpool match. Yeah. That's all anyone wants to talk about. Yeah. Do you care about this? Do you, are you angry about this? Do you have takes on this? I'm I'm not overly angry about it. I mean, I it's because this is how it is now. Like so it's sort of no, it's hard for me to get too upset about it. I suppose I wish that the game hadn't been decided by that. Mm-hmm. Um because that would make things neater, but <laughs> it, it doesn't really matter. That's what that's what it's like now if you if your hand is even slightly away from your body then it's it's going to get called as a penalty that's just that's just what it is it's that's just what it is yeah and jordan henderson put it really nicely after the liverpool city match in an interview which by the way he has a much deeper voice than i realized i don't know if i had ever heard him speak and then he was doing his interview and i was like who the fuck is that guy and why does he sound like he should be singing a soul record it's very very sexy like what <laughs> 
Hey, I'm Jordan Henderson, and I'm here to sing you sexy music. Like, what? Yes. Why not? Why not? There you go. But anyway, he said, look, it's ridiculous to us as players. Like, it seems harsh. I feel bad for the defenders. But you saw it given in Leicester. You've seen it given in other weeks. Like, this is just what it is now. So at least they're being consistent about it. Yeah. And we just need to adjust our play from there. And like... Fucking Branislav Ivanovic has been defending with his hands tucked behind his back like he's in a military, like, <laughs> at ease, you yeah. know, position. He's for his whole career. Like, I remember him doing that in 2011. He sticks a leg out and he puts his arms crossed behind his back. I'm like, it's not a newish thing. It, it used to just be called ball to hand. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, this isn't a complete... Like, it's just different names for the same thing. Like, I don't know. So, I, I don't care about the, the, the handball thing. <laughs> Should we talk about Vardy for a second? Vardy, who I said he wasn't going to be anywhere near the golden boot conversation. Little did I know that everything was going to be yeah, about penalties Leicester this year. would get year. a penalty every game. <laughs> yeah, literally a penalty every game. Yeah. And so he's on eight goals. He's in. He's tied with Calvert-Lewin, Salah, and Son. Is this his way to continue his prolific goal-scoring record into his 50s or however old he is? I guess so. Might give him another couple of seasons, mightn't it? I mean, yeah, if the penalties still get given out like this, then they'll be laughing. But we're at the stage where their strikers are just going to be smashing balls deliberately at defenders' arms to try and get handballs. There's always been little tricky shit that you can do to win games. Like, that's just part of the game. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. Stop doing strategy. (laughs) What? How dare you defend also? Yeah. What are you complaining about? Like that's you're playing within the rules. Everyone knows the rules. They're applied mostly evenly, mm. certainly more evenly than they used to even if you guys think that it's worse. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's worse, but it's worse for everyone. So that's <laughs> fair. Right? Just play within that. Like whatever. Um it is frustrating though, especially on a stats perspective like this season, the XG and the XGA it's gonna throw and it all like, out. the actual table are going to be like wildly far apart because yeah. penalties, <laughs> different models too. Like there's a – within the analytics community, there's like a real reevaluation happening because of the craziness of this season of like how should we deal with penalties in XG. Some models just have it as open play XG only and then they – like Kaylee says like – 1.4 plus two pens or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whereas, uh, understat definitely, and I believe FB ref also, um, just count penalties on how the percentage that they're scored. Like that's the easiest yeah, XG to quantify. 0. 7 or something. Isn't it? Literally. Yeah. It's 0. 0.76 is the global right. average. Although I think okay. some people use the league averages. Right. Just because like, you don't want to have your league one teams sort of contaminating <laughs> your data because like, that's not all reflective right, of right. the Premier League team. <laughs> Sorry, your conference national teams, I should say. <laughs> your Oxfordhams, you your Notts Counties. Yeah, yeah, your Notts Counties. Yeah, your your, your uh, Sunderlands. Give it a couple years. So, but it's about point eight, right? So, like, yeah. But the little things that are between different XG models are like really happen to be getting highlighted this season, and it's really fucking confusing because I'm like. This XG model has it this way, and this XG model has it a completely different result. And it's like, that almost never happens. And now it happens like two or three times a weekend. Right, yeah, of course, yeah. And part of it is penalties. Part of it is, there's this really interesting, I'm just going to go off on a stats thing because I don't care about Lester and like whatever, Chuck's not here to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a new 
subset of shots that obviously because their shots affect XG, that there is like a really philosophical debate in the analytics community as to how to deal with them because they're not raising the flag, right? They've been told like, keep your flag down and then we'll var it after if it needs to be. Yeah. Except that in the situation where they don't raise their flag and then it's just, how do I describe this? There are shots that are happening that otherwise would not have happened in the past. Yeah. Because of the way that they're officiating. Yeah. And so how do we count those shots towards XG? Because they didn't used to count. And like Mm. there are shots that are happening that are like very clearly offside shots. And so it's like that shouldn't – some people are like that shouldn't count because that wouldn't have been in the models before. The data doesn't have shots like that. Yeah. Because like it's an offside shot so that wouldn't have counted before. But now it's it's still – active yeah or whatever and it's it's really fucking up like it's it's a fascinating time fascinating time between no no fans and how does that affect like yeah home percentage home field advantage and all that shit it's a good time it's a good time but let's move on then to the big match of the weekend the title six pointer (laughs) manchester city one liverpool one man city 1.6 to liverpool's 1.2 on xg so pretty fair result pretty even match everything seemed to happen in the first half of this one the second half was boring as shit yep um i did enjoy just the lineup that liverpool came out with i was just like salah firmino Mane and Jota all playing mm-hmm. in the same same eleven. I was like, yeah. "Oh, they're going full Chelsea, baby! They can't defend, <laughs> so just throw on more attackers." And so uh, yeah, and that first half, it really, really was sort of end to end stuff. Uh, but yeah, I feel I felt like it. I felt like it was pretty pretty even. I thought, considering how Man City have been recently, it was a big jump up. Yes. Uh, so that was that was good to see and. Um, yeah, I think I think Man City will go away fairly happy from that. To be honest, is it as simple as Jesus being healthy and they have an actual striker again, and that's why they looked so much better today than they had since like the first week? It does help a great deal, doesn't it, to have a a genuine focal point that while he's not Aguero, you you can trust, you know. And he scored today. He gets good shots off too, which is like important. Yeah, even if he underperforms his XG for the most part over his career. It, yeah. it, it, he definitely like like I was saying with Kane before like he's drawing the attention of the defender so that has huge knock on effects on everyone else but I'm not convinced that it's just the fact that they have a striker no I don't know man I don't like I don't know what the fuck is going on with City honestly I don't think it's just the striker but I have no answer to that question whatsoever yeah I don't think this game answered the questions we hoped it would it was it was impossible to I, I didn't think there was much to split them so yeah I don't think I don't think we got any answers here I think that'll be in the fullness of time I'm afraid yeah that's the, that's probably true I don't mind uh, both of those teams dropping two points yeah I'm sure you don't that yeah. is the optimal result as the two teams that I'm looking at is four drop points collectively as opposed to three dropped between yeah the two of them right um, so Chelsea were the winner of this six pointer is that what Chelsea we're Chelsea were the winner of this t- title <laughs> six pointer for sure uh, we should talk a little bit about Trent going down with his calf. Yeah. Is that uh yeah. like, oh, the international break is coming. Just just fall over a bit and say your calf hurts. Or is that like a worry? See, for no, you, usually those international break injuries sort of happen after the match. They're like, oh, we assessed him after the match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm inclined to say that that one's probably genuine. Um, 
Yeah, he did sort of, he, he did go down and uh, want medical attention pretty quickly. So, yeah. And he didn't get hit or anything. It was one of those where he was like, exactly. he went on a run. He was no one around him. He went down. And immediately his teammate was like, yo, come over. Yeah. Get the yeah. get the physios on here. So that doesn't that doesn't look good. And I'm finally going to have to let go of him in my FPL team, I suppose. I mean, I'd long overdue anyway. But ugh. Do you have Chilwell yet? No, and I might go that way. That's your obvious move right there. First of all, the model thinks that Chelsea defenders are like the best players yeah. in the game right now. <laughs> um, but also he has attacking returns, even if we can't get clean sheets. He is all up in the box. He scored again this week. Yeah. He's Alonso, but also makes tackles. It's so good. Sorry, I'm taking it back to Chelsea. <laughs> City Liverpool. Um, are you worried about Liverpool? Well, I was gonna my immediate reaction there was to go, no, I'm not, because I think Man City are their biggest challengers, and until they're firing on all cylinders, Liverpool have got that bit of a cushion. That cushion mm-hmm. might not exist if Chelsea keep performing, if Tottenham keep performing, that cushion gets eroded. But as it stands right now, uh, no, I'm not too worried about Liverpool. I think that they, Liverpool just seem the most in control of mm-hmm. any team at the minute. That's that's all. And so I, I will stop short of making a title prediction that they will win the title. But I just think that um, there are things that can go wrong for other clubs and things that often go wrong for other, uh, other clubs. And Liverpool just feel like at the minute they've lost Van Dijk, but they're continuing to... Um, get results. I think they might they might weather the storm, but Trent Trent being out is an issue for them. Van Dijk being out is an issue for them. Yeah, Trent is maybe the most important player in their system, like tactically. Yeah, because yeah. he does like ninety percent of the heavy lifting in terms of creating chances, and then he has those guys in front of him to like smash those chances away. I'm with you though. I don't. I'm not. Well, I'm never worried about Liverpool. Fight, <laughs> no, why would you like, worry? <laughs> hypothetically, one one should not be worried about <laughs> Liverpool. Um, I still think they're the best team in England. I don't think that was the case. I didn't think that was the case, rather, at the start of the season. Yeah. But apparently losing David Silva is having a bigger effect on City than anyone quantified or realized. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Question marks. What the fuck is happening at City? I don't know. So I, I, we can comfortably, I think, say that Liverpool are still the best team in England. Yeah. But there is a limit on the number of important players they can lose. Of course. And, I, and like you said, with Tottenham and Chelsea all of a sudden breathing down their necks or being in that sort of conversation, it, it is something to keep an eye on, mm. let's say. Right. Just like likewise, I was like, I'm not ready to say if Chelsea are good or bad yet. I'm not ready to say if Lampard are good or bad yet. Like, give it time. We need to see. Yeah. Which is not a satisfying thing for a podcaster to say. We need, <laughs> we're supposed to have really hot takes. They're on the watch list, but I still think Liverpool are the best team. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like that's fair. So, um, did you? We're recording at the same time as Arsenal Aston Villa. What happened? Do you oh. know what happened in that one? Is it funny or not? I don't. I have no idea. You don't know. Genuinely staring at the understat page, and it says Arsenal 2.15, Aston Villa. And I don't know what happened beyond that. Okay. Villa beat Arsenal 3-0. No! Get the (laughs) fuck out of here! Oh, that's so delightful. Oh, thank fucking God. That's so good. Who scored? Uh, Understat doesn't have it up yet. So it was uh, Saka own goal, and then uh, two Ollie Watkins goals. There you go, Ollie Watkins. Get him on. Oh, there it is. Understat just updated. Let's see. We have... (laughs) Arsenal 0, Aston Villa 3, Arsenal 1.4 to Villa's 2.0 on XG. Okay. So, 
Just worse, actually worse. Yeah. Um, I'm not seeing any red cards for Arsenal to be like, oh, it's because we had a red card. <laughs> um, Arsenal conceded 15 shots against Villa. Are Villa good or are Arsenal bad or both? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, Villa. I I assumed Villa would revert to you know re- regress to the mean or whatever as relatively soon, but I mean that's a solid win. We we can't claim to as you know to have seen the match, but. Um, I, I was listening to some of the first half while I was getting ready, and um, and, and Villa had a goal uh, varred off as well. Um, oh wow! Okay, was slightly controversial because uh, Ross Barkley was apparently um, in an offside position and was judged to have been in uh, the goalkeeper's line of sight. But um, yeah, so it sounds it sounds pretty comprehensive, doesn't it? Um, so yeah, let's let's assume Arsenal are bad and Villa are good. Well, yeah, I mean, speaking of beating teams that you're supposed to beat, Villa are in sixth on the table and sixth on expected points. Fuck me, right, okay. Yeah, I know, I know, exactly. Um, on XG, Villa are sixth, wow. and on expected goals conceded, Villa are third. Blimey. Holy shit. <laughs> Fucking A, the only teams better than Villa on expected goals conceded are Chelsea right. and Burnley. Burnley, who just are always in that conversation yeah. because they only ever defend. Yeah. And... uh Chelsea. Chelsea expected goals allowed is 8.4. Villa's expected goals allowed is 8.5. And then fourth place is Tottenham with 9.0. Okay. So they're up there. So Villa good, I guess. Arsenal. Guess so. Arsenal are in 11th. So they're five points below Villa. Unexpected Arsenal are 11th. (laughs) Both of these teams are just exactly who they are. Exactly where they're supposed to be. There you go. Pretty straightforward. Um, I will say this about Arsenal. This is going to be incredibly hurtful Arsenal fans, so go ahead and skip 30 seconds oh, or God. whatever. But <laughs> I don't care about Arsenal anymore. I, even if we weren't recording, I don't think I would have watched this match. It reminds me of in New York, and this is going to piss off a ton of people, but like whatever, everyone knows that I'm cocky. <laughs> like, fuck it. It's who I am. Lean into it. <laughs> Mets fans have this big rivalry with the Yankees. Those are the two baseball teams. And Mets fans are always like, fuck the Yankees, the Subway Series. That's what we call the, the New York Derby yeah. in baseball is the Subway Series. And like, we're going to beat them. We beat them. And then like, if they win, they fucking won't shut up about it. Like, oh, we beat you guys in the Subway Series this year. And it's like, Yankee fans have like several other teams that they care a lot more about yeah. than the Mets. Like, it's a rivalry from the Mets side of it. Yeah. But not for the Yankees are like, you're our like loser little brother who happened to be in the same city as us and we don't fucking care about you. Like, oh, great. You beat us. Whatever. <laughs> like that happens sometimes. Like, you know what I mean? We're not going out and like partying because we beat the Mets. Yeah. Right. And this is not to say that on any level, Chelsea and Arsenal don't have an actual genuine rivalry because like they very clearly do. They are the two bigger London teams. No yeah. full disrespect to Spurs. Um <laughs> But, you know, you mentioned readjusting your yeah. expectations of who a team are or whatever. It's been a long time since I was threatened by Arsenal. It has. Like, I don't I don't particularly find them interesting. I don't think they're scary, obviously. Or like until Arteta leaves, I'm kind of just checked out on Arsenal. They're boring. And they are what they are, and he doesn't know what like he is who he is. This isn't like a case of like the Chelsea Lampard team where it's like we still need to see. Yeah. Like, Arteta is Arteta. We know exactly what his system is. We know exactly how he plays. We know exactly who his players are. And, like, it's just not good enough. What are they doing? 
Arsenal, are you guys okay? <laughs> like, are you okay? Do you need? To, we can talk if you want to talk. Like, what are you guys doing? This is not. Oh, this is like. I'm worried about you. Actually, like <laughs> Arsenal fans, you good? <laughs> oh dear, poor bastards. Honestly, yeah. But I don't. I, do you care about Arsenal? Do you think of them as a big team? No, it's it's. But that dropped away a couple of years ago. I think. I think Arteta's doing interesting things with them just because that they started to look a bit more solid defensively, but then they've just lost three 0 to Villa, so that goes out the window. Um, so, but no, from on a on a wider perspective, not not sort of ever think of them as even close to sort of title challenging or anything. And obviously, ten years ago, you were thinking they were you know up there. So. Yeah, it's definitely diminished in that respect, yeah. I gave up on them being a top four team a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, I think most people did. And, like, that was always, like, their their level. It was, like, they might not be title racing anymore. I became a fan the season after their last title race. Okay. So I remember them playing in the Champions League final against Barcelona. Yeah. And then that was, like, the last time that Arsenal were, like, a world-beating team. Yeah, well, I think the rebuilding job never happened, did it? So... No, they need to just clear house. Arsenal have the pieces to be a top 14. But meanwhile, they're giving Ozil money yeah. to like play Fortnite and like Arteta's their manager. I don't know. I don't want to sit here. I, I mean, I do want to sit here and talk shit about Arsenal, but like <laughs> ju- that's just to say that like I would I don't even watch their matches anymore. That's how little I care about Arsenal. I watch Spurs matches so that either I can make fun of them if they did bad or like just just like to keep an eye on them. Yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? I watch United matches and I don't know that United are necessarily No, that's insane. United are much better than Arsenal. <laughs> Sorry. Apologies to the universe for even remotely considering that sentence. Like oh, I watch wow. these other clubs. But like I give I, I don't care about Arsenal, man. You don't even check in I on Arsenal. I don't even check anymore. in on Arsenal. Is that unfair? Am I being harsh? Like no, no, I don't should think I care so. more about the Arsenal Chelsea rivalry or are they just like no, I think it is absolutely fair to consider Arsenal a sort of top, obviously top half, but ultimately mid-table type club. You know that mm-hmm. seems to be that seems to be their level, and maybe maybe they will kick on with Arteta eventually. But um, it's hard to argue that after a three-nil loss against Villa. I just wonder. I just imagine like if they had landed Ancelotti, yeah, or Pochettino is still out and about. He doesn't have a job, yeah, like. Yeah. Honestly, actually, the double pivot guys made a pretty good case for like, fuck Lampard, get Pochettino in. Oh, really? I think I mentioned this. Yeah. And I was like, I'm very loyal to Frank Lampard, (laughs) but you just made a very compelling argument that we could win the Champions League within the next three years if we sign Mauricio Pochettino. And I believe you. And you guys know more stuff than me. Um, But certainly, like, what the fuck are Arsenal and Man United doing holding on to Arteta and Ole? Like, say what you will about Lampard. We're better than they are. Yeah. Certainly lately. Yeah. But in general, I think. And like, what, 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 like, you have the money. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> United even more so, I think, because he would totally go work for them. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Go yeah. get Pochettino. Why is he just sitting at home right now? Other than the pandemic. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Other than what we're all doing. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that what a delightful little uh, tidbit. I didn't think we were going to talk about this match, but Aston Villa won 3-0. <laughs> That's great. Um... 
And I guess that should do it, right? Without Chuck, we're not going to do, yeah. obviously, FPL. Do you want to brag? Are you beating him in FPL? I am, yeah, but it seems churlish to do it without him here. Nah, go for it. <laughs> well, to be honest... I'll, g- I'll give you 30 seconds. You know, the only... I would be bragging about it, but I feel that when you've only won because Ollie Watkins scored two against Arsenal in the last game, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that feels a little... <laughs> A little that bit feels jammy. A bit disingenuous. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I suppose I've got to get rid of Trent, and like you say, Chilwell looks like the obvious. But yeah, I'm sort of just treading water around the two million in the world mark. It's all a bit boring at the minute. I'm sort of glad there's an international break, so I'll just forget about it for a little while. Yeah, yeah, just turn off. Yeah. Um, speaking of international break, though, as well. Next next week we will do one of our. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Legendary uh, international break episodes. And uh, we thought we'd do a mailbag one. So we're going to need your help with that because we haven't done a lot of listener questions lately with the massive amounts of football there's been. We haven't managed to cover as much as we'd like. So get in touch with us on Twitter at Miles Offside Pod. Uh, you can get in touch with us on email if you've got something longer to say. MilesOffsidePod at gmail.com. Emu Plains, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, emu Plains. Uh. He got in touch with me on a DM, actually. We'll probably take that uh, in our mailbag episode. Perfect. Uh, yeah, loving Moo Plains. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to do listener listener question special, I think, next week. So we need your help. So get in touch with any questions that you've got. Yeah, and uh, we will also – it is Chuck's turn to host the Bluffer. I don't think it would be very fun for me to just ask you questions anyway. <laughs> yeah. Ian, how many of these things do you think you can name? Okay, go ahead and try. <laughs> Um, yeah. so the bluffer will be back next week as well and uh, obviously yeah. we're not going to preview the fixtures with the international break coming up so that pretty much wraps us up for today um, yeah but what does Chuck say at the end of these I don't know Ian say goodbye he says he says thanks to producer Nate yes producer and girlfriend have her Nate with him also congratulations on your recent employment situation <laughs> we are very happy for super producer Nate or just yeah. producer Nate? Congratulations. One of the two. I don't know. He gives us the most money, so let's call him super producer. That's fine. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> and that's a goodbye from me. <laughs> oh, we really need Chuck, don't we? Bye, guys. Bye.